Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Well, good morning. As, as mentioned, you can get those bottles at the table on the way out. Uh, Nancy and Tom Corey will be out there. Uh, of course, so closely affiliated with Nancy's life testimony. And uh, we're sure glad you're here, Nancy. And uh, she said, uh, some people are already just turning in money on the way out. That's okay too. But you can turn it in uh, anytime between today and Father's Day. So we'll be receiving those. And uh, we thank you for being part of that. Thanks for being people who believe in life and uh, financially support those in need of some help in that time and season. Amen. What well, is uh, Mother's Day? So I'm going to read a poem that um, I've edited after COVID because uh, anyway, I did. Maybe I shouldn't have, but whatever, I did it. Uh, said The poem is called Somebody Said. It says, somebody said it takes six weeks to get back to normal after you had a baby. But if you're on staff, you dedicate your kid a week or two later anyway. That's not really part of the poem. It says, somebody doesn't know that once you're a mother, normal is never again. (laughs) That's true. Somebody said that you learn how to be a mother by instinct, but somebody never took a three-year-old shopping at Target. (laughs) Somebody said, if you're a good mom, your child will turn out good. Somebody thinks a child comes with directions and a guarantee, which obviously they don't. Somebody said, you don't need an education to be a mother. Or you don't need to be an educator to be a mother. But somebody never helped their fourth grader do Zoom math. Yeah, that's right. You got to figure it out. Somebody said you cannot love the fifth child as much as the first one, which is why we only had three. Wow. I just, I added that. Somebody, somebody doesn't have more than one child. Somebody said a mother's job when her last child leaves home. Somebody never had grandchildren. And somebody said, your mother knows that you love her, so you don't need to tell her. (laughs) Well, somebody was wrong. (laughs) So make sure you tell her. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Today we honor and remember moms. Um, For many or most of us, it's a day filled with love and gratitude and phone calls or FaceTiming, whatever's going to be happening. But for others, it might be a little bit tougher for one reason or another, maybe even a few I know that we've talked with are in deep pain today as the longing of your heart to become a mom has not yet been fulfilled at this time. But let me just start by saying whether you had or have a great mom this morning um, or not, let good memories flood your heart and soul today. Focus on those positive things. If you're able and she's still with you, honor her. Let her know how much she means to you. Uh, If she's gone, grab hold of the memories and honor her with your thoughts of gratitude. If she was not all you'd hoped she would have been, don't call her and tell her that today, (laughs) but honor a different lady then that has made a positive impact on your life. And in order to help facilitate that, we actually have some postcards. It says, to someone I admire. Now, somebody in the first service said, could I use this to say it's from a secret admirer? It's not that type of admiration. (laughs) This is to a woman that's made a positive impact in your life. It's a stamped um, uh, 
I said that in the first service. It's not a stamped envelope. It's a stamped postcard. We want to encourage everybody, take two on your way out, write a handwritten note in this digital age, put it in the mail to somebody. If you did not get your mom a gift, I recommend Amazon same-day delivery. Put it in the post office today, post market, and uh, it'll get there. But we, we want to just communicate to moms, to other ladies who made a positive impact on our life. We don't want to wait until they're gone to say what they mean to us. Amen? So that's uh, here on Mother's Day. I'm going to preach a sermon at this time that is not a Mother's Day sermon, but it is a sermon on Mother's Day, so it's what you're going to get. In fact, there was some discussion in our preaching meeting that only had guys at this week for some reason, and uh, they were like, Pastor Derek, are you going to tell moms what they're supposed to do? And I said, nope. Because <laughs> I've read the blogs. You don't want a dude telling you how to be a mom, <laughs> and that's fine. But uh, we're going to preach on Mother's Day anyway. Somebody said, you know, pastors don't honor moms by having a woman only preach on Mother's Day. I said, how about I honor moms and no woman preaches today? I don't know. But anyway, they'll preach other Sundays. It'll be great. And I got a couple more friends coming to preach. But here we are. We're going back to Acts chapter 9. Not just because there's a woman featured in this text, but because I skipped over it. There was a woman raised from the dead back to life. And I can't believe I didn't preach it a couple weeks ago when I was going through. So we're going back to Acts chapter 9. Going to be in verses 36 to 42. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. And uh, we're going to continue this series through the book of Acts called The Church Growing and Going. Families are growing. Thanks, moms. We couldn't do it without you. Literally. Some of you will get that later. All right, if you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning? We're going to read God's Word together. Acts chapter 9, verses 36 to 42. Make sure you get that postcard on the way out. going to be a great time. Acts chapter 9, verse 36 and following. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her parents didn't like her. <laughs> Dorcas. Okay. She was always... Remember, we had Agabus before, now we got Dorcas. There were some interesting things. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the window, widows, not the windows, all the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter sent them out of the room, and then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. And not surprising, this became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. I've titled this morning's message, A Legacy that lasts, a legacy that lasts. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great gift of your son, Jesus. We ask, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Speak to everybody today. Speak to us individually and corporately. Father, bless the moms. We thank you so much for them, the impact they've made on our life. Help us to enjoy our time with them while we have it. Be with those who uh, feel a sense of loss and, and despair as, as they're not able to be together or the family isn't the way they wished or had thought it would be. Do what only you can do today. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be 
seated. It was our privilege yesterday, uh, Pastor Dan, myself, team, to uh, preach the funeral, the celebration of life for what was our second oldest member here at Celebration, Elois Headland. Uh, It was five years to the week before May 9th, 2018, that we had buried her husband, Calvin, and what a great couple they were. Long time, joined the church right away, and uh, Calvin actually was the, did the engineer work for the facility that we are in now. This place used to be a golf dome, and our founding pastor, Lowell Lundstrom, had talked the owner into selling after the roof had collapsed too many times, like the Metrodome, and uh, Calvin, Cal was the one that did the uh, engineering work for the room that you're sitting in right now. But yesterday we got to honor her life. Um, it was a few months after she passed away in February because most of her family now lives in Arizona and it took them a while to be willing to come back to Minnesota. Uh, February is not exactly a tourist time for Arizonians to come to Minnesota, but they finally made it back. And the, 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 one of the daughters remarked in the service yesterday, they didn't even know it was Mother's Day when they, weekend when they picked the date. And they said, what a fitting testimony to come together on Mother's Day weekend one more time as a family to honor their mom. And uh, what a family it was. So I think it's a fitting weekend that I preach a message that's titled, A Legacy That Lasts. Uh, Callan and Lois had six kids, 19 grandkids, 31 great-grandkids, and six great-great-grandkids. And two average ones. No, I'm just kidding. That wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't in there. But, uh, oh, it was great. So we're talking about living or leaving a legacy that lasts. Hopefully you got a note sheet there. I'll preach. It's a little bit of a different style message, as I said, for today. But pray to be encouraging to you. And uh, before you run out, go to brunch, get your family picture taken, exchange gifts, whatever. Not exchange gifts, give gifts. <laughs> and... Uh, Uh, Let's lean in together and let's look at this. All right, you got a note sheet. Number one, a legacy that lasts. Number one, loves like Tabitha. A legacy that lasts. This is uh, people that were still alive. I mean, Tabitha passed away and then she came back to life. But all these people in this passage, I think are still inspiring us today. Um, Now, I know some of you moms are freaking out already that I'm talking about a lady that uh, was she super mom, what happened, right? Because some of you have young kids and you're trying to do all you can do to just keep them alive. And now this dude, me, is talking about Tabitha, who apparently was so awesome that she was always doing good and helping the poor. As I mentioned, I do not have the gall, the nerve, nor the audacity to get up here and tell you to do more today. Although right now I do sense some of your scowls pointed in my direction. (laughs) Let me explain to you what really had taken place. If you're new, I can understand that you're like, hey, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Give me a, but if you've been here, come on, you should know better. I'm not gonna bring an example on Mother's Day to guilt trip you, make you feel worse, make you feel like you're not doing it, that you get enough pressure in life. I've got good news for you. Many scholars believe that Tabitha was a widow that did not have kids, a family of her own. So it might explain why she had more time to help everybody in her town, right? Now that's not to say like on Mother's Day, that's where you use an example of somebody. I'm just saying 
she'd gone through tragedy. If this is true, that she was widowed and didn't have kids of her own, didn't have family, the natural response to tragedy back then, just like today, is to withdraw and become inward focused. It's easy for us to have a pity party for ourselves and say, my life hasn't turned out the way I wanted it to. My dream board hasn't come to, this is not what I signed up for. Woe is me, Eeyore. <laughs> can be the spirit animal of somebody who's gone through tragedy. What a bummer to be part of a sermon on legacy. In those days, if you didn't have kids, especially male children, to carry on the legacy of the family, it'd be like, oh, why are you even alive? And yet, Tabitha found a way to live a legacy that would last even though... She was widowed and didn't have kids. Now again, I can't verify for sure. I wasn't there. But I'm telling you what other scholars, other theologians, people smarter than me that have studied, researched, and read. And I'm so thankful. I think it's a great encouragement for us that says even if you go through pain, even if you suffer loss, even if you've not had things go the way you wanted, you can still live and leave a legacy that will last. But you gotta choose to push beyond, not necessarily get over, but to push beyond the pain, the hurt, the tragedy that you've gone through. I believe it's apparent that Tabitha would have had reason to say, it's time for everybody in this town to serve me. And yet she made a choice that she would not wallow in her sorrow of what she didn't have, but instead see her extra time as a blessing to bless those around her. A legacy that lasts loves other people. Now, the great news is if your life's going awesome, you too can love other people. You know, you don't have to go through tragedy. You don't have to suffer loss to love other people. So if your life's going great, we pray that continues. Or if it's not been amazing, we pray you can push through it. The big idea here is don't limit your world to just yourself. But love those around you. If it's your family, love your family. If it's your neighbor, love your neighbor. Uh, the good news here on Mother's Day, I would just like to say, at least in our house, between mom and dad, mom has a built-in care advantage. So you already seem to be more nurturing, at least, you know, than me. So all of a sudden, at this point, it's probably easier for you to love like Tabitha, to place an importance on other people. And again, this is not to put more pressure on anyone, but to emphasize the importance of how we treat other people. Even after she died, people said, she made a difference in my life. How? She cared. You never know what one phone call might mean to somebody else. You never know what one home-cooked meal might mean, or store-bought. If you can't cook, don't be afraid. Buy it, you know, but like if you can't cook, you don't know what a home-cooked meal will mean to them, you know, but just a moment of care. The second thing, if you want to live a legacy that will last, is you should believe like the disciples. 
or a legacy that lasts believes like the disciples. About that time, she became sick and died. She didn't just have a sore throat. She didn't just take some Robitussin. She didn't take two Tylenol. Like she was dead. The Bible says her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. The upstairs room would have been their prayer room. It would have been a place of faith. I love that even after tragedy, she died. Her body was taken to a place of faith. I think it insinuates a little bit about how she lived her life. That in crisis, she'd go to faith. That, that people around her knew this is where she would want to be. This place of prayer, the upstairs room, would be where people gathered to meet with God and to join in with other people to believe great things for God. I love that even in the face of death, even in spite of difficult circumstances and situation, the disciples still believed in a supernatural, miracle-working God, even though things in the natural didn't look good. The Bible says that when the disciples heard that Peter was in light, they sent men to him and urged him, please come at once. These were men. These were people who were faith-filled. They still believed. Now, I'm not saying that when we dismiss here, we're going to brunch and then to the cemetery and we're going to stay there until somebody comes back to life. In fact, I'd like to be very clear. I'm definitely not saying it. (laughs) You can if you want, but... This is a statement that says we need to be people of faith who still believe that God brings life to dead things. This is what we celebrated in water baptism a couple weeks ago, right? Especially when the, the water heater didn't work and we found out how saved people really were. You know, it's like, it's cold. Like, are you sure you want to testify? Yes. You know, like, they were shivering. It was so great seeing the pictures of the little kids that came back out of the water because they couldn't hide their feeling at all about the water. You know, it was just, it was great. I enjoyed it so much looking through it. Um, but we still believe God brings life to dead things. That's what we celebrated. Dead to sin, but alive in Christ. And there's something about the passion that that people have when you see God bringing life to dead places. I was talking with Pastor Josh and they're seeing so many uh, kids getting saved right now in the youth ministry, but especially what God is doing um, at New Prague High School. There's just um, so much passion kids coming every week for the first time. On Sunday, there was seven kids who came for the first time uh, from New Prague High School, and six of them gave their heart to the Lord on, on the first time. Like, and Pastor Josh said, we had to explain to them that their sin separates them from God. <laughs> and once they found that out, they were like, well, how do we fix that? We don't. Jesus did. They received him, confessed Jesus as Lord in front of all the other kids there that night on their first time hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. But you know, it took faith or it took belief from classmates to say, I believe God wants to save them. And it seems so easy when we see it in the next generation, but have you noticed the longer we walk with the Lord, our natural tendency is to let our faith fade. 
It seems so easy for a sophomore in high school to say, well, I'm praying for my friend at science class and I'm believing that they're going to get saved and God's going to do it. And somewhere 10, 20, 30 years later, it can become, if we're not careful, easier for us to share a cubicle with somebody and be content with our life being the way it is and theirs being the way it is. Because over time, if we're not careful, our faith can fade. So I'm so thankful for the example of these disciples. Yes, even of many of our students that are saying, we still believe that God will bring life to dead places. So let me ask you this morning, however long you've been walking with the Lord, do you still believe? Now I know it'd be easy. I I doubt anyone here would be courageous enough to be like, no pastor, I don't. I think God's done. (laughs) No, I I get it. Like we're, we're going to say it, but, but do our actions align with that? That we still believe, right, in spite of bad reports. Like, do we, do we still believe it, in the middle of declining values? Are we still faith-filled? Uh, whatever the thing of the day in our nation is, do we still believe in a supernatural God that can intervene in our natural world? I just believe if we want to live and leave a legacy that lasts, something that'll make a difference, even after we're gone, we've got to believe like the disciples. The Bible tells us that we ought to have faith like little children, childlike faith. By the way, that doesn't mean uneducated, uninformed, blind faith, like you don't know anything. It just means we believe. We take God at his word. We believe anything's possible in his presence, that he can seek and save the lost, that he can save anybody, right? But faith-filled, it's more than a cute slogan on our website. I believe it's the testimony of many who are here today, right? That you've been waiting for years for physical healing, but you're still faith-filled. You've been waiting for years for a son or daughter to return to the Lord, but you're still faith-filled. You've been waiting for years here, even on Mother's Day, to have a child one way or another, but you're still faith-filled. And I want you to know, friends, that when we believe before the miracle, it's noteworthy to those who are watching. Number three, number three, uh, a legacy that lasts praise like Peter. Praise like Peter. Oh, I can hardly imagine what was going through Peter's mind. The Bible says Peter went with them. They, they, they caught him from another town. They probably told him what had happened. They're like, this lady that we love, she's dead. And Peter's like, okay. And he goes with them and they took him upstairs to the room, verse 39 said. And then all the widows, all of our closest friends stood around him and they were crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that she had made while she was with them, talking about the impact. Can you imagine what might've been going through Peter's mind? I don't know if I just read through this as a pastor or a parent, but I wonder if he felt pressure to perform a miracle. He's like, clearly these people have called me because they know I'm a follower of Jesus, that I was there. I I preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved. Now they just want me to pray for this one lady. I just wonder if he felt the pressure to perform. I wonder if he wondered if, if nothing happens, will they call me next time? I just wonder what, what he was feeling. Well, 
did, did Tabitha make an impact on his life? Or, or maybe Peter was friends with someone that she did. Did he feel sadness for the loss of a good woman? Like there can be two things that are both true, right? At the same time, like, oh, I, I wonder if, if God's gonna come through through me and man, I'm sorry to hear what happened. I wonder if he just felt admiration for the impact she made. I don't know, there might, must have been, why? Because Peter was human just like we are. So in different situations, we can feel different emotions at the same time. And I just wondered this week, I wonder what Peter was feeling, what he was thinking. And then I think he gives us a great example of what to do when we don't know what to do, when we have different feelings, different emotions. What does the Bible say? It says, he sent all of them out of the room and he got down on his knees and prayed. I think it's something that us Westerners are more hesitant to do than maybe our brothers and sisters in the global South or around the world. He silenced the noise. He removed those who were crying, those widows or friends, got them out of the room and he prayed. I think being alone in silence, it's become challenging for us to be comfortable in. We tend to like noise. We, we tend to like things going on. In fact, as I, I shared before in that article about the world's quietest room, that without some noise, it can quite literally drive you insane. And yet, I fear that many Americans, we have become addicted to noise. Whether it's hearing ourselves talk or somebody else talk or just things going on, we've become addicted to the noise and we are uncomfortable in silence. Perhaps because we're uncomfortable with the state of our spiritual condition. Peter knew that the answer was not to get more opinions from those around him, but to seek the Lord in prayer. This is unfortunately appears to be a lost art in our nation, personal prayer. I'm all for corporate prayer. And next week, when I go back to Acts chapter 12, we're going to talk about corporate prayer. Um, but it was in this private prayer that Peter prayed. I believe it was a powerful prayer. Um, I, I believe praying in private is where we receive power for the public. I, I can tell the difference in someone who only prays in public and that the words that they share in public are an outflow of what they've prayed in private. I believe you can tell the difference as well. And, and I'm so grateful for our corporate prayer gatherings. Again, next week, I'm gonna talk more about that from Acts chapter 12. But hear me, if the only time you pray is when you're with other people, you're missing out. There is something unique that happens when we get alone with God and we talk with our creator. You can bear your soul to him in ways that you are unlikely to do in front of other people. I wonder if Peter asked the Lord, God, what are you doing in this situation? What are you going to do? Why? Because these moments of privacy are increasingly difficult, more difficult to come by in our constantly connected society. 
Just about the time things get quiet, our phone will buzz. Or we think our phone has buzzed. We check it. Did it buzz? No, four minutes. Nobody contacted me. I'm not that important. Sometimes I've checked my phone thinking, it's been 10 minutes. Surely someone needs something from me. Nope. It's almost disappointing, isn't it? The world is functioning without my involvement. We've become addicted to the noise. So now more than ever, I believe it's important to carve out time to make time to be alone with God. Early in the morning, late in the evening. Like if you're a morning person, I think that's a great time to meet with God. If you're not a morning person, I think it's a great time to have coffee. And you can pray through the Psalms, you know what I mean? Like you can just get them, God. I don't know, like whatever your level of caffeine is, that's okay. But, but it, I just want to encourage you to make an, a renewed commitment today to make time to meet with the Lord privately. Because I believe it was in that personal moment of prayer that Peter received a leading from the Holy Spirit while praying to direct Tabitha to get up, right? I believe he was following a prompting of the Holy Spirit. He says he got down on his knees and prayed. Then the next thing, we don't know exactly how much time took place or transpired, but it says, then he turned towards the dead woman and said, get up. I worry if this were to happen today, if more Christians would tell her to get up and then pray meaning doing what we think we should do instead of asking God what we should do. This is a missing element in our land today. Many folks seem to say and do whatever pops in their head, but it appears it most often to lack discernment and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So what I say is, if you want to live and leave a legacy that lasts, take more time and personal prayer with the one who guides and directs and speaks to you. Make a schedule if you need to because it's worth whatever it costs you to have time with the Lord, amen? All right, number four. A legacy that lasts testifies like it was you. Testifies like it was you. Verse 41, it says, he took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers especially the widows. I love that the people that were close to her that hurt the most got to celebrate first. He said, hey, you need to see what this is. Their testimony would be expert witness. They, they would be able to, and he presented her to them alive. I hope this gives you a new perspective this morning for testifying. This was an unbelievable miracle. Tabitha had died and now she was alive. Believers were called in, the widows, her closest friends, they witnessed what had taken place. And that's why I think it's important that we verify what God has done, right? We're not trying to manufacture or manipulate people with miracle stories. It either did or it did not happen. Somehow I was watching on YouTube and they were, sh they were showing like, fake miracle stuff. And I was like, oh dear Jesus, you know, like if you need to fake it, don't. Right. I think one of those phrases, fake it till you make it. Not, not like this. You don't need to be like, oh God healed me. If he didn't, <laughs> you don't need to make it up. That discredits the testimony of God. 
But when he does things, we're going to verify it. We get a doctor printout. We get, uh, you know, proof for it because we're not manufacturing or manipulating these things, but we are celebrating when God does what only he can do. And this is what happened here in this passage. The Bible says it became known all over Joppa. Well, how would that happen? They didn't have Twitter. So it couldn't have been a trending topic. They didn't have Facebook. So it couldn't have been a viral story. What happened? Lots of people talked about it, not just Tabitha. I think sometimes when we look at this, we might think, oh, well, that's Tabitha's story to tell. No, it was the community of believers story to tell. What do I mean? It's our testimony of what God did for someone else. So whenever you hear what God has done for somebody else, it's your, it's now our corporate, but your testimony to share of what he did for them. So think of it this way, uh, two months ago at the end of March when Carol Schultz had shared her testimony of uh, going through stage four cancer for seven, eight years now and, and uh, felt the word of the Lord said, your healing is manifested, go to the doctor, get checked out. And the doctor was like, something's changed. This has been your scans, your evidence. Now it's different. I don't know what happened. Guess what? It's not just Carol's story to tell. It's our story to tell. It's one of the things I love about being connected to the body of Christ. When God does something great in your life, he does something great in our life, the life of the church. So when one person is healed physically, we all get to share testimony with our friends, with our neighbors, with our coworkers of what he has done. When one child gives their heart to Jesus Christ, we get to share the testimony that God is still seeking, God is still saving, God is still restoring. When a marriage is put back together, we get to share the testimony. So some of you are like, oh, God hasn't done anything for me. I don't have anything to tell. Eh, wrong. Number one, he's done a lot for you. You just don't even know how much. But let's go with your thought for a second. Even if he hadn't done anything for you, because he's done something for somebody else that you're connected to, you get to share in telling the story, the testimony of what he's done. I don't believe... Tabitha had time to tell every person in town, surrounding areas, what God had done. But people couldn't help. Have you noticed how easy it is if the Vikings win a playoff game that we can say, we won? <laughs> Newsflash, no, we didn't. We watched. <laughs> and so why is it that it's so easy for us to share in the testimony, the celebration of something else happening. And then in the things that God were like, oh, well, well, I'm still waiting. You can wait and still testify. You can wait and still share in that victory, in that spoil. It's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm perplexed as I move toward a close eventually. Uh, no, I really will. Um, it's one of the reasons why I'm perplexed at the amount of Christians that are constantly complaining about their church, the church, a friend, another Christian, like so many constant complaints about the body of Christ. Now, here's the reality, friends. I know a lot of things about the body of Christ. I have a little bit more time to think about, interact with the body of Christ than most of the other people in the room. I get it. Has the church, is the church perfect? Somebody say no. no. Why? Because the church filled people. Church is people. And neither me nor you, I mean you fine, but the nine o'clock people, they're not perfect. So, so the church will not be perfect here on earth because we're not perfect. But, but I'm concerned 
that, that we lose sight of what our testimony is to other people if we're constantly complaining. Like, think about it. If you're like, oh, I, I, I hate the church. Well, why would anybody else want to join? They're your friend. Why do they want to be participating in what you hate? Like, it doesn't make sense. Now, I'm not saying that we cover up all the flaws. I'm not saying that we ignore, oh no, everything's on door. No, 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 there's, there's issues, there's problems. I'm, I'm for that. What I'm saying is if we only complain, think of it this way. If you only complained about a restaurant, bad service, bad food, overpriced, bad location, no parking, you would be sh- surprised, shocked, I almost combined those two words, surprised. <laughs> like you shouldn't be surprised if no one wants to go there. In fact, I believe, my gift of suspicion, is when you constantly post something negative about the restaurant, you're actually trying to get your friends to avoid going to that restaurant. Maybe you're hoping it goes out of business. So I just don't understand why people would be consumed with anything other than telling about the goodness and the grace of God. Now, that's not to say only. I'm just saying if all you do though is complain about the church, Big C Church. But this is why I take it personal when I see something in another state about a church and somebody's complaining. I'm like, oh, because we're all in the same church. We gather in different places, but we're part of the family of God. And, and I just want to see Christians testify in such a way that draws people to the family of God. You know, sometimes admitting that our family isn't perfect is required in order for people to feel like, okay, I can, I can jive with that. I, I'm going to give that a shot. But we ought to mix in a compliment now and then. And let me just say this. Maybe you're here and you've only had bad experiences in church. Did you know you don't actually have to talk about the church to talk about the family of God? Like you could find something. You could be like, in spite of all the hurt that I've been through, there's still two people that put their arm around me and love me the way I am. I'm just saying like, think for a minute of how you can make your testimony of what God is doing attractive to those who've never hurt. I I just, I, I worry that if this had taken place, if Joppa was in America, I worry that many of the testimony would be like, yeah, Tabitha got healed, but I didn't. I worry that there would have been religious leaders that would say, well, yeah, Tabitha did more good works than you. That's why she got healed. Because I've seen that, that kind of pressure put on people from platforms. But I just, I, I want the body of Christ to go back to this simple first century model that lived their life. Like Tabitha made her life count before she was gone. She loved those around her. And in a moment, I'm gonna pray. And if you're here and you've been through so much hurt, through so much pain, your life hasn't turned out the way you feel all alone, I'm gonna pray that somehow with the help of the Holy Spirit, you're not gonna get over that hurt necessarily, but you'll be able to push past it and love those around you. Make a difference like Tabitha did. Maybe you're here and you've walked with the Lord for a while. If you're honest, 
You say, Pastor, my faith has faded over time. I'm going to pray that your faith would be recharged this morning. You'd believe like those disciples again. That when tragedy happened, get her to that place of faith. Let's believe. Let's call in somebody. Let's just believe God's not through yet. I'm going to pray if your spiritual life has been reduced to corporate gatherings, I'm going to pray that you'll pray like Peter, that you'll get alone with God. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to give you courage to listen to God in those moments, to honestly assess what he's speaking to you but I believe we'll become more powerful if we'll spend more time with him. When we make much of God, he makes much of us. It's just true. And then lastly, I'm gonna pray that we'll testify like it was us, like it was me. When something good happens to somebody else, I'm gonna give God thanks for he's giving good gifts to his children. If something happens to, you know, we, we're gonna share in that testimony and make sure we're sharing with those full of faith, like we're a sophomore in high school, but we're telling other people the goodness of God. Amen. Would you bow your head, close your eyes here this morning. I want to pray for you before we go. So many things to do today, activities, and but I just want to pray for you in this spiritual moment. I've sensed a heaviness in my spirit all day for those that have walked in here today wounded perhaps in a physical family, perhaps from a spiritual one. But I pray today that you receive the help of the Holy Spirit to love like Tabitha. What a great testimony of a woman that didn't have things going her way and yet made such a big impact in her community. So I pray right now for every wounded soul, every hurting heart, that you love like Tabitha. I pray for those whose faith has faded over time. Oh, used to be on fire for God. Used to be passionate about evangelism, telling others about Jesus. But somewhere along the line, the coals have gone cold. I pray today that you believe again. Believe the simple truth of God's word that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Would you be faith-filled today? I pray for those who've become spiritually feeble, that your prayer life has been reduced to a blessing before a meal or a corporate prayer from a pastor. I pray that today, before your head hits the pillow, you'd make time to meet with God. I believe he'll tell you great and unsearchable things if you'll only ask. And I'm praying for each and every one of us, whether we're gathered here watching online, that we testify like it was us. We'd be so excited like it was like, like we were the ones that were healed, like we were the ones that were set free, like we were the ones that were delivered, like we were the ones that were provided for, were. that we'd make much of you, Lord Jesus. 
So help us to see what you're doing in our lives, the lives of others, and to tell others, because we do know that time is running short. So help us make the most of the time that you've given us. Help us to live a legacy that will last. I bless your people today. I bless them in their coming and their going and their rising up and in their lying down. I ask you to continue to be gracious today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.